got some good news for the folks in Saskatchewan today. Premier Scott Moe announced today that the government will be providing a $500 tax credit check to each resident who paid their taxes, who filed taxes, aged 18 and older in the province, um, sometime in the fall, so people can continue to grapple with, uh, or help them out at least, when it comes to grappling with all these high costs. Higher resource prices are driving our economy, and they are creating thousands of new jobs. And this has greatly improved our budget position from a deficit to a surplus. And that's good news. But it also means the cost of almost everything that you buy has gone up. You own the resources, and you should benefit when those resource prices are high. So this fall, we'll be sending a $500 affordability tax credit check to everyone in Saskatchewan aged 18 and older to help with some of those rising costs. Now, it sounds like a nice idea, and it comes on the same day that new polling from Angus Reid showed that people in Saskatchewan are among those in the country most worried about their financial situation given the rise in inflation and interest rates. And it's always popular to give away money, of course. The problem is, is that the way inflation works right now is that it's really a supply issue, not a demand issue. So if you give lots of people money to spend, and there's not that much to spend it on, or, you know, supply is low, then what happens to prices? They stay high, don't they? You know, if you own a place in Saskatchewan, I'm not accusing the people of Saskatchewan of any malfeasance here, but if you were thinking of putting on a big sale this fall, you might think twice if you thought a bunch of people are about to get a bunch of money they can go spend. So I'm not sure it's that effective in terms of fighting inflation. It certainly helps to get $500. Obviously, it's a big deal. But does it actually help people with affordability? Eh, I don't know. It's certainly better than nothing, I guess. Let me know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea when demand is still low? Maybe it won't have an impact at all. But you always get the idea that if the inflationary issue that we're having right now is a question of low supply, not low demand, and you give everybody money, well, then you're just raising demand for already low supply. And then what happens? Prices stay high. Generally, maybe not this time around because a lot of it's commodities and so on. But anyway, let me know what you think. 877-399-9898 is the text line. 877-399-9898. Let me know who you are and where you are. We'll share, we'll share those throughout the show. And first off tonight, let's get to that polling I was talking about. We are getting a pretty clear picture of the impact that high inflation and rising interest rates are having on Canadians, and it's not a pretty one. A new survey from Angus Reid released today shows that over half of Canadians say they can't keep pace with the current cost of living, and 80% of us have reduced some kind of spending in the last few months. And that despite the fact that inflation actually slowed a bit in July from what we've been seeing in previous months. Well, joining me now with more on their cross-country financial temperature check and what it means is Shachi Curl. She's president of the Angus Reid Institute. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, this, was, this wasn't all that surprising, but I guess it, if you look back at February when you last did this, you are seeing a trend, and the trend is towards people are getting more and more worried for obvious reasons. Well, that's exactly it. It's the anxiety, and now it's the behavior change. So people were worried about the increasing cost of living, they were worried about increasing inflation, but now we're seeing the commensurate change in the way they are handling that, which is they're sitting on money. And more than that, they're not just sitting on it. They are using it to pay down debt. So there are a whole bunch of factors, whether you're in Saskatchewan, whether you're in Alberta, whether you're in B.C., whether you're in Ontario or all points in between 
we are dealing with in this country today kind of a perfect storm of factors. And I hate using that phrase perfect storm because there's nothing perfect (laughs) about it. It's like an awful storm. So particularly in the cities, the cost of housing is going through the roof. Uh, Housing prices themselves are dropping. So what's happened? Rent is going up. So either way, you're not avoiding uh, a rising or, or stagnant cost of housing where it's not going down. It's, it's either staying where it is or it's going up. And by the way, if you're somebody who's staring down the barrel of a mortgage rene- renegotiation, uh, you know, God bless you, because the days of borrowing at one point something percent are long gone and have been replaced with numbers that are far higher than that. So the cost of housing is up. The cost of purchasing just about anything, and including day-to-day staples, groceries, gasoline, etc., also up. At the same time, people are noticing what savings they have, if they have savings, uh, are being chewed through. Because it's not as though savings rates at the bank have risen commensurately with the cost of borrowing money. It used to be, yeah, your mortgage was 14%, but your savings rate was also in the double digits. That's not a thing. Now you've got higher cost of borrowing, you have very low savings rates, and people are feeling the squeeze from all sides. And this really represents a a change in era, a total paradigm shift where we, you know, people, Ben, your age, my age, We've been on a tear for more than 10, 15 years where you could buy stuff when you wanted, at a rate you wanted, at a price you wanted. You could borrow at a rate that didn't hurt, and stuff arrived when you wanted it to. And it was all relatively reasonably priced. That's over. And we're back into a period of almost our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, where you actually had to put the brakes on spending at different times in order to... Uh, not only stay afloat, but maybe to achieve some of your spending goals. Yeah, I noticed that, uh, that we've already seen some pretty, pretty drastic behavioral changes. The fact, I think it was 41% who are doing less driving now because of the price of gas, that's an astounding number. It's huge. And then it's also people who are already reporting uh, cutting back on things that we call discretionary spending. So that could be anything from eating out to going to a concert to you talked about going to the PE. You know, maybe some families uh, this, this season are thinking twice about going to the summer fair or a summer outdoors concert. Uh, you know, those beer gardens, they sounded like fun. Maybe it's something that people are foregoing. Uh, you look at that in relation to the number of people who say that they're delaying or putting off or canceling a big trip or a vacation who are deferring a big ticket item, including maybe a major home or appliance purchase, people who are cutting back on the amount of charitable giving that they say that they give. So that's something that's falling into line. And Ben, here's a really big one that sometimes gets overlooked. About one in five Canadians say that they are deferring making a contribution to their RSP or their TFSA because the money just isn't there. So this isn't just about cutting back on the extras or the nice-to-haves. It's also about making really tough decisions around saying we cannot afford to make the investments in our future financial security because that cash has to go to more immediate needs. One of the things that you pointed out, I don't think it had changed that much much since February, but the fact is uh, it still shows just how little wiggle room have. The sheer number of people who couldn't incur a surprise expense of $1,000 or more. 
That's right. So you see nearly half say that they are that close to the edge around not being able to absorb uh, more than $1,000 of an unexpected hit. Uh, the other really striking finding was around the notion of an unexpected windfall. Suppose someone uh, just gave you $5,000, what would you do with it? In the past, we've seen more people saying, you know what, we would just kind of splurge, we'd do something nice with it for ourselves, or we would invest in our house or invest in a car, or we'd take a big trip. Uh, now we see uh, a majority saying uh, that they would either be using it to pay for day-to-day needs or they would be using it to service and pay down debt. So that debt burden, particularly at a time when, when cost of living is so high and cost of housing is so high, it becomes an increasing it's, – it's like the piano hanging by a thread over somebody's head in, in the old cartoons. It's just something that – now is looming deeper and 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 in a more threatening way than has been in the past. And certainly when it comes to perception, I mean, one thing I found really interesting about this, we can talk about it when we come back, is that a lot of this too is perception of what's happening because people can't, you can't, this isn't about spin or politics. This is about people going into things, buying things they've been buying for a very long time and thinking, wow, my dollar doesn't go as far as it did six months ago or a year ago. I'm speaking with Shachi Curl. She's president of the Angus Reid Institute. We're talking about new polling they have out today uh, that show the impacts of both higher interest rates uh, and and rising uh, cost of living, the rising cost of living on all of us. A majority of Canadians now say they're struggling uh, to keep up with the rising cost of living. A lot are worried about debt. A lot are worried about their jobs, believe it or not, in a job market that is that has unprecedentedly low unemployment. We'll talk about all of that, digging a little more to those numbers when we come back. Well, it's great to have Shachi Curl with us this half hour, president of the Angus Reid Institute. We're talking about a new poll they have out today that's really a financial temperature check of the country, and it's running hot. People are worried about their money. People are worried about prices, as Shachi compared it to the piano hanging by a thread over you uh, for a lot of us. You noticed um, there were certainly some interesting demographic differences here. Uh, clearly, a lot of younger people are cutting back on spending fast these days, and that's something, I mean, this is a generation that hasn't grown up in sort of recessionary times, for instance. Well, no, that's exactly it. This is the first time in the adult lives of a lot of Canadians where the notion of higher interest rates or having to put the brakes on spending or having to make trade-offs is, is a real thing. We've all been, as a country, addicted to cheap money and free flow of goods uh, for a really long time. That, for the time being, is at an end. I'm not an economist, but the economic experts, the folks at the Bank of Canada, say that, you know, inflation is necessary uh, in order to cool, or sorry, not inflation is necessary, pardon me, but higher interest rates are necessary right. uh, to, to cool uh, high inflation and to, to, to really pull some of the levers down in terms of gearing down on, the, on, on runaway um, spending and, and, and having the economy overheat. Now, that all may be very, very true, and I'm sure it is true. Again, let's, let's not question the experts here. That's not the point. But the important thing to remember is it has a real effect on real people in re- real households, and that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing that anxiety. We're seeing that uncertainty. And if that continues, 
for an extended period of time. Remember, you know, there were there were stories then in the last few weeks about how, well, we've reached peak inflation. The worst is over. The worst may be over, but it's a little bit like COVID. The crazy still continues for a while. The uncertainty, the ongoing cycles, the problems, it doesn't mean that there that, that is over. It's just that perhaps we will see some alleviation. It doesn't mean a return to normal just yet. And so what, what are the knock-on effects for every family or every, every household that says, okay, we're going to rein in discretionary spending. Maybe that has an impact on eating out. Maybe things like dry cleaning don't get done quite as often or trips to the salon or trips to the, 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 the hair place or going to the movies or, or sports or concerts or all the things that we do in our lives. Well, what is the knock-on effect on the supporting businesses that rely on a certain amount of demand in order not only to uh, to make a living for themselves, but to employ other people? So we don't know ultimately where this is going to settle or shake out. A big driver of a thriving economy obviously has to do with employment levels. And we know that employment levels continue to be high, but if people stop spending money on stuff, and a lot of people who rely on employment in those sectors uh, are suddenly in a much more precarious situation. So what does this look like come October or December or January or February of next year? Well, particularly if energy prices start to climb up again, and we're seeing it in uh, in Europe, specifically in the UK, that they're worried about high energy prices. That uh, certainly there's no idea that inflation is is cooling there. We may have we may not actually be in a situation where inflation is cooling all that much. It, it did in gas prices in July, but it didn't for a lot of other stuff. I, I, this is probably this was not in your survey, but I know you can put your political hat on, so I'm going to have you put it on just for a minute. You know the questions politicians always ask of themselves and of the people that they're that they're ostensibly that voted them in is, are they better off now than they were when I was elected? And if this continues, it strikes me that it's going to have quite the repercussions throughout a lot of things. And politics is one of them because so far politicians, and it's, you know, there's perhaps little they can do. I mean, Scott Moe's handing out 500 bucks, but you know, people will look to politicians and say, well, what have you been doing about this? And how come my life is, how come I'm worse off than I was five years ago? You know, inflation, cost of living, affordability, these are the wicked problems that any government faces. And it really doesn't matter where they sit on the political spectrum, whether they're left or they're right. Uh, this is a problem that comes right to their doorstep. And there's, there is, to your point, not a whole lot that they can effectively do in the short term or even in the medium term. So, uh, we saw how governments uh, really came in very quickly to the rescue of populations in the early days and, frankly, the early years, six months, a year, 18 months of COVID. There was an incredible amount of support for people so that they would be kept whole, so that they would uh, be prevented from being plunged perhaps into really serious affordability problems. Well, you know, fast forward <laughs> Two and a half years, and we're now into a situation where there's only so many more levers they can pull. And the real question is, at what point are they able to pull it? Now, Scott Moe's government uh, spoke to the windfall that uh, his province is facing as a result of increased commodity prices, which affords his government the ability to redistribute some wealth 
in the short term at a time where people are otherwise perhaps hurting and not necessarily um, sharing in the benefit of those of those increased commodity prices and the impact on provincial coffers. But if you live in a province that is not necessarily as dependent on commodity prices, uh, that relief isn't necessarily there for you. And what relief is there always has to be weighed or balanced by a government on timing. So you pull this lever now, what if it gets worse later and you can't pull the lever again? Uh, you wait it too is- long to pull the lever, you're in a big problem with your population. Sachi Curl, thank you so much for your time tonight. Fascinating study. Thanks for having me.